ਵਾਹਿਗੁਰੂ ਜੀ ਕਾ ਖਾਲਸਾ ਵਾਹਿਗੁਰੂ ਜੀ ਕੀ ਫਤਿਹ ਵਾਹਿਗੁਰੂ ਜੀ ਕਾ ਖਾਲਸਾ ਵਾਹਿਗੁਰੂ ਜੀ ਕੀ ਫਤਿਹ so with me today i have uh, sardar gurpreet singh ji of the sikh sakhi blog spot and you also uh, have the have a blog the incisive pen on which you write uh, very thought provoking articles on sikhi and can you please introduce yourself a little bit for us <laughs> oh okay so we have to start again huh? yes unfortunately we had the technical difficulty before but just a brief introduction <laughs> Okay. Uh my name is Gurpreet Singh as he as you mentioned and I'm born and brought up in Punjab Jalandhar and did my graduation from Amritsar and post graduation in business administration from Rohtak and then my uh, throughout career is with the FMCG companies and uh, in in sales and distribution and right now I'm working with a food company in Bahrain. Uh but at the same time i have a passion towards uh, sikh history sikh literature and to do some research uh, so uh, as as you mentioned that i have uh, my sikhsaki.com blog and but i started uh, uh, my first project was of a mobile application for by the name of saki s w a k h i which is available on android and uh, uh, iphone and uh, th- in these sakis i've made a point that at the end of every saki i've uh, put a moral of the story uh, it is in audio format it's a short stories and at the end of every short story i've, I've uh, mentioned the moral of the story relating it to the current scenario and through that process i realized that uh i need to speak up more on uh the main uh the danger from where we need we need our society uh, to be aware of and that is brahmanism so i have written a book uh, by the name soul enemy of a sikh brahmanism in english and punjabi in punjabi it is the sikh da ikko vari brahmanwa hmm. now we we mentioned brahmanism down here and that that is not something which is particularly uh, targeting brahmins as individuals or as a community but the ideology which uh, places them at the top of what we traditionally call the caste hierarchy in india exactly exactly so it is it is not uh, with any community uh, it is okay and we 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 can never be six can never be against any community realizing that brahm the bani of brahmins are already there in guru granth sahib so mm-hmm. yeah so when we when we talk about brahmanism now of course there's the uh, aryan invasion uh, i guess history which is established as a fact now aryans come along they conquer most of india state sport and the true state sport the aryan government uh, obviously divides society into four parts now i guess in the european sense you have guilds which is that you're a merchant you're a carpenter you're a soldier but there is a bit of equality down there because humans as individuals are allowed to change from one profession to another eventually but in india if you're born into a particular caste you're stuck into that caste for the rest of your life you can't really change from one caste one caste based occupation to another 
without any repercussions being uh, visited upon you. Yeah, so uh, that is because uh, in India, the kind of uh, casteism that is prevalent, that has got uh, approval from the religion. So it has given, uh, uh, it is approved by religious authority. And so it has become a sacred for the people. That's the major difference between the casteism around the world and the casteism in India. In India. Now, the theory of reincarnation, does that also, is, does that also act as a weapon for casteism that if you're born into a particular caste, it's due to your past karma, past life? Very, it, it is, uh, it is, you are right, it is uh, definitely a very strong weapon to establish mm -hmm. this. Again, because as, as, as we mentioned that uh, it has been given a religious uh, approval. So this theory of reincarnation further reinforces this. Mm -hmm. And I guess one thing I'd like to mention down here for the listeners as well, and I guess you would probably be aware of this. Um, There is quite a interesting book, Sikhi, Sikhism Under Brahminical Siege, which was published in Canada in the late 90s, I believe. I have a copy of that book at home, but which isn't with me at the moment. Now, the author in there, if I remember correctly, Dr. Gurbak Singh mentions an incident, and this is that uh, we know that Bhakt Ravidasji refused to wear the Janu. Whenever we mention caste, Bhakt Ravidasji comes up. And uh, uh, what I actually meant was that Bhakt Ravidas refused to honor the Janu. He said that the Janu is worthless. He couldn't wear the Janu because he wasn't a Brahmin. But it's amazing, isn't it, how the Brahminical writers who came into Sikhi in, uh, around the Sikh uh, Raj era, Khalsa Raj era, they inserted, they fabricated this tale that uh, Bhakt Ravidas Vora Janyu and uh, the Brahmins tried punishing him because he was a low caste and uh, he showed them a vision of his uh, past life in which he was a high caste Brahmin who uh, made a transgression and he was born as a low caste uh, Jamar. Now, can you see the pattern down here how it's the caste theory once again that the low caste person born as a low caste has done some sin in his life so in his past life so you you can see the pattern down here how caste always finds that way to attack even figures which were opposed to caste in the first place and is this a strategy is this a intellectual strategy to defend itself it is it is uh, used as an strategy no doubt uh, and uh, one more uh, on a lighter tone, see the theory of reincarnation. Reincarnation says that uh, it means that most of the people, those who are born in India, we know that it's it's hell of malnutrition, uh, uh, poverty, the human so low. Uh, this means that uh, people, those who are uh, have done sins in America, Canada, they are reborn in India, right? <laughs> so, so they are the countries where, uh, where people uh, of good karma of, of their previous birth get birth in Western countries and, and the country where there's a, a land of gods, we call it, uh, is actually um, where there, there's a, a number of ailments going on and people are in very 
happiness index is so low just just not a light of that yeah. <laughs> no i understand i fully agree with that and i guess our listeners would also agree with that i mean we we call india taram the jameen taram the mark we call it a lot of things you know that it's a tarmic land that's where taram began from that's where taram was born but in actuality in reality the whole thing is quite different because if you look at it from a closer perspective you realize that there is so much suffering so much i guess so much incompetency down there in society you're left wondering that you know if you do good in india you will probably be reborn as a american or a canadian <laughs> yeah. or australian and if you do bad in these countries you're probably going to be reborn as a indian so what's there to be proud of of you know your national identity and i guess at the moment society in india hasn't reached that point but it will eventually reach that point as you know as long as i guess uh, the words of baba nanak gurbani the words of pak ravidas and kabir they aren't actually uh, you know made universal for people down there to live their lives by that there is there is no such thing as reincarnation in the sense that if you do bad you're going to be reborn as a lower caste or if you do good you're going to be reborn as a higher caste these are just uh, superficial uh, ideas superficial uh, i guess for a better want of term superficial uh, superficial uh temptations to keep you in check so that brings us to another part so we have the caste uh, system which is a form of control so is it true to say that the shudra the lower caste the lowest of the low that caste is in more of a majority and it's to keep them in check that the higher castes have imposed the caste system on them obviously obviously this is a very important point that the shudras will always be in a majority they are in majority and uh, the point is to control the majority majority population so there are there are castes which are which are selected and and you will see that uh, these people the majority will uh, historically have been in the villages uh even hmm. even still till date when there is a lot of urbanization the uh, 60% of indian population is in villages uh but in 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 earlier times it, the uh, obviously the ratio would be, would have been much more so the uh, so the people those who are in cities they were into trading they were into bureaucracy they were into jobs and all those so uh i think that the what the varnavastha has done they have put they have selected those castes and put them into khatri vaish uh and uh all the people those who are into majority those who are skilled labor those who are with farming uh, they have put it into shudra because mm. yeah ultimately they are the people those uh, those who are doing uh, uh, that needs to be controlled because otherwise the majority will decide the rule but uh, this should not happen uh, so they need to Uh, control through minority and i guess one more question down here is that so we have a shudra who's a farmer this is something we discussed a while back in a, one of our older episodes last year on guru hargobind sahib ji and the use of force and sakhi now we have guru nanak baba nanak and baba nanak is born into a khatri family by trade they're entrepreneurs they also have a history of being warriors but Baba Nanak leaves everything and becomes a farmer. So first of all, 
as we will get to the point, he refuses the Janu, which is a tantamount to refusing entry into the caste system because he is born in one of the upper castes. On the other hand, he becomes a farmer, which is his second blow against the caste system. And the irony here is that the Shudra produces the vegetables which the higher castes consume. But the Shudra, on account of being a farmer, is treated as a slave, as someone with bad karma. Isn't that a bit ironic for whoever designed the caste system? Is this a loophole? Is this a contradiction? Or is this something by intent? That the higher castes will always depend on the lower castes, but they will also mistreat the lower castes. Yeah, when, when a religious approval is given, so uh, it becomes very easy to build the narratives. Uh, so uh, so uh, you're right. In a way, the higher caste, the so-called higher caste are always dependent on, on the labor, on the farming of the lower caste. Uh, you can relate this with the conversation that the Guru Nanak had with uh, yogis. Okay. Okay, so hmm. what the yogis did? The yogis says that they are they are more enlightened and they are of a higher stature because they have left the uh, the the family life, right? And so that's why they yes. are they are fed. So, but Guru Nanak said that you go and beg your food from the grasth. So how come how hmm. come how can you you be higher if you are eating a food from a grasthi? So, uh, mm-hmm. right. So this, uh, so these uh, things are challenged in Gurbani a number of times. All those uh, the religious uh, narratives which were going on in the society. One was by the yogis. The another was by the Brahmins, uh, and and they all rely on on that they have become more pure or of a higher stature because of doing this and this. But Guru Nanak challenged mm-hmm. everything that, see, this This is not a, a method or this is, this is, uh, this, this cannot be uh, true. Mm-hmm. So we, when we come down to opposition to caste, so we have established that this is the caste system. It's a, quite a pernicious system of control. It controls the majority by you know, rendering it intellectually, mentally, psychologically, and even physically uh, impotent. So let's come down to the fact that there is opposition to caste. You know, many people start opposing it. Many individuals take the risk. We have Pakt, Kabir Pakt, Ravidas Pakt, Surdas Pakt, Ramananda Jaydev, all the Pandra Pakt, Urbani, who oppose the caste system, who say, look, people, is, humans have potential. Why are we trying to constrain that in the name of religion? Would you, can you explain the risk they ran, how risky that, uh, even when Baba Nanak refused the Janu, even when he became a farmer, can you explain the sort of risks they confronted at the time by doing this? You see, the, it's a, uh, it's a, the, this challenge is full of risks, and till date it is so. Because there is an ideology which is completely based on this. So when you have challenged that, that means 
you're challenging, challenging their existence. You're challenging the existence of Brahmanism. If you remove these things, you remove the mythology, you remove, uh, you discard the caste system, then what is left in in this Brahmanism? Today we call it Sanatan Dharam. What else is there? Mm-hmm. So, so two are fighting for their existence. And their existence is dependent on suppression of these voices. So it is a, mm-hmm. it is a, it is a serious uh, confrontation. It, it was there in earlier times. It is there even in 21st century. I guess I asked that question because it would allow our listeners to better appreciate that Baba Nanak refusing the Geneva was not as simple as holding up his hand and saying, look, I refuse. He ran quite a quite a brutal risk. On one hand, we have the Pagts, who were, who I would say were confirmed into their castes. Pagt Ravidas was born into the Chumar caste. He became a cobbler. Kabir was born into a Jalaha caste. He became a weaver. In a way, they confirmed to the caste expectation of their uh, society, of their birth. But you have Baba Nanak, who rather than become what a Katri was expected to become, becomes a farmer. Yeah. And I guess that thought crime, that that pattern of thought Baba Nanak had, that now I need to actually go out and spread this castlessness, I need to confront people. The Baba Nanak we have today holds up his hand, stops a rock, stops a storm, brings a storm, raises the dead. In reality, that wasn't Baba Nanak. Baba Nanak was a was an individual with a lot of valor, a lot of bravery, a lot of courage. And I guess when we are talking about Baba Nanak confronting caste, there would surely have been attempts made on his life, made on his very existence to silence him. Very true. Yeah. And over time, it seems we have, all these have been erased from Sikh history. So, one thing I would like to ask you here is that we know how Buddhism was vanished from, well, vanquished from the subcontinent. In a way, are we seeing that with Sikhi today as well? That are borrowing your expression that Brahminical uh, opportunists would have converted to Sikhi when Sikhs were politically and socially prominent and started altering Sikhi from within to be able to survive? Uh, yeah, so this. Uh... Uh, this has been right from from the Guru Nanak. If you see, uh, there have been number of attacks, recorded attacks on gurus. So of often these attacks are dismissed as a family feud, right? But it is not like yes. like the the Prithichand is has aligned with Birbal, the uh, or or the this uh, the people those who attacked on Guru Nanak, uh, Guru Tegh Bahadur. They were aligned with the uh, pe- uh, people in, in uh, or, uh, sitting with Aurangzeb. Those who are uh, the Ram Rai, we know def- that he was blessed with a uh, land, prime land in Dehradun. So these were not the family feuds. Yes, the, the these uh, they have the the fault lines were were found, and these. People had aligned with the rulers of the land, and uh, they were exploited to uh, to disrupt this movement. So, uh, so mm. right from the uh, guru's time, it has been there, and uh, even 
today this the same thing is happening so side by side we need to contemplate on the issues so that we are we, we are aware of the developments the things that is happening why they are happening in in, in this way and isn't it ironic i mean if you look at some examples from history recent research in our history pahari rajya yeah. 22 of them we knew that you know when aurangzeb when the moguls came along when when india became a islamic uh, islamic conquest surely the muslims would have said to themselves the muslim rulers that look they got a caste system why should we get rid of it because it allows us to easily control them anyway it's just a just a change of the power that you know we get the power over from the you know higher castes but we use the same system to control people jidda ji chaldi matlab chali jaan do yep and isn't it ironic that we have the 22 hill rajas and uh, they're constantly saying that we are suppressed under the muslims we are suppressed under the moguls but isn't it ironic that when guru gobind singh ji comes along and he uh, talks about the khalsa baba nanak's khalsa the fraternity of baba nanak's vision of you know equality suddenly they unite with their most hated enemy to get rid of uh, guru gobind singh ji and does that indicate to us how revolutionary how dangerous sikhi is to their uh, caste discrimination system yeah this is a this is a perfect example uh, that uh, when it come uh, when they have to decide between mughal ruler or sikhi they are aligning with mughal rulers so obviously they consider sikhi more dangerous than the ruler because this the mughal rulers there was a differences because of the tax revenue uh, collection and all those they feel that uh, they are uh, but at the same time their rule was guaranteed uh, the same way it happened in, mm. in britishers where the princely states if they are towing the line of britishers then they are uh, their rule is guaranteed so uh, so obviously they uh, in between if uh, the mughal ruler versus sikhi they they consider sikhi to be more dangerous to their very existence so as as i mentioned earlier that so I... uh, it is uh, once the principles of sikhis are established uh, they see that it is um, it, it's this very existence which is in danger of brahmanism hmm mm-hmm. so i guess from bhim chand's perspective it would have been that if we keep on uh, if we keep on licking aurangzeb's shoes the emperor might be happy with us allow caste to survive allow our domination to survive another emperor might come and allow us more flexibility in what we believe and what we are doing but on here we have sikhi where you know gobind singh is saying everyone is equal everyone has the equal right to arms everyone has the equal right to you know live with human dignity this is the greatest danger to us we need to nip this in the bud who cares about the moguls and i guess this was the this was the same sentiment which didn't allow the rajputs to unite with baba banda singh bahadur who obviously spent a lot of effort in dismantling caste all over india so on that note when we come down to the sikh gurus now due to the recent events which have been going on we have a lot of uh, attacks being made on sikhi on social media and uh, the chief 
main objective seems to be to divorce Sikhs from their own history. So the texts I've seen, some of them uh, misquote Sikh uh, texts. So there was a very, uh, very prominent uh, individual on Twitter. I won't mention him. And he posted a little excerpt from the Gurbilas Patria Dasvi saying, look, Gurbilas Patria Dasvi never says that, you know, the Kashmiri pundits went to meet Guru Tegh Bahadur. And then the same edition, Gurbilas Patria Dasvi was actually put up on a Sikh page where they put the whole picture there saying that actually it does say that the pundits went to meet the ninth Guru and this has been edited out by that individual. So one of their uh, foremost attacks is that if the Sikh Gurus and the Sikh Pagats didn't believe in caste, why did they marry in their castes? How would we answer that? Yeah, uh, it's a very interesting question. And uh, I'm writing in, uh, I'm in a process of writing a one more blog, which will deal with this. Uh, but we need to understand mm. that uh, fighting caste with interfaith marriages in itself a flawed idea. This idea has already is come yep. out of the so-called Swarn themselves, right? And it has mm. it, it is happening to a very small extent, I would say, is there, and it is not helping. It is because it is it is not the solution. Marriage not only happens because of the caste. There are many other aspects. Even Punjabi would not marry with Marathi. Does does this mean that uh, we will? Uh, we we cannot sit together. No, the the six have gone mm. to Canada, UK, in uh, all places, and, and have gained such a uh, good positions in the decision they have. They are there in the decision making position. Are we trying to say that this they have done because they have married with the Goras and Kalas of those uh, uh, country? So this this is mm -hmm. a flawed idea, and. It, it it is not a solution to this problem and then we are uh, we ask this question and then we get <laughs> confused in it uh, right uh, see the, uh, and and see yeah. this is also come out of our usual terms that we say in our society one is the roti beti ki sanj right see yes. roti ki sanj yep. gurnanak did it by establishing langar, yep. bali, srovars, right? And by uh, establishing new yes. town townships, around 10 new townships were uh, established by Guru Sahib, starting from Kartarpur by Guru Nanak to uh, Ponta and to uh, Anandpur uh, by 9th and 10th Guru. Uh, yep. uh, th these were done to establish uh, so that the Rotiki Saj and to give equal opportunities uh, to all the sections of the society because the existing infrastructure in itself was not conducive to do this change. Now comes to this part. See, we living in 20th century where there's a, a case of the, where the love marriages or have started happening. Earlier it was not so. So this was always has to be done as per the wishes of the family and uh, even uh, would you say that the Khatris why they, they didn't marry with Brahmins or, or if there are I know that if within Brahmins they don't marry each other uh, some castes are like that uh, mm -hmm. 
I mean, from my perspective, from our personal perspective, as we were discussing it on our Facebook page, I guess the issues that were raised were two. One, if you see why the gurus did not marry in a caste um, other than their own. So the three perspectives, actually. One was that we are not sure what castes there are, you know, if we talk about inter-caste marriage, what castes their uh, wives, their spouses would have actually been from. Yeah. If we uh, start looking down from, uh, you know, let's say around uh, Guru Ram Dasji's time, because by then Sikhi had become cemented. On the other hand, if the gurus uh, were preaching that, you know, there is no such thing as caste, because we are confounding ourselves here because the bug said that there is caste, but there is no caste discrimination. There should be no caste discrimination. On the other hand, if you look at Baba Nanak, when Baba Nanak refused the Janu now, I don't know the exact word for it in Sanskrit, but he became casteless. And because he was casteless, scriptural injunctions held that whoever he came into contact with, they got the disease of castelessness from him. So whoever he actually touched, talked with, or you know, even if a shadow fell on someone, their caste was destroyed. So when it's, when it's a question of the destruction of caste, Caste would not have been the foremost issue on their minds when their life partners were chosen. You also needed, you know, confirmity, dedication to the mission, etc., etc. And the third one was that let's just say that the gurus married into a lower caste. That entire mission they had would have become a personal feud then because they would have been trying to, uh, I guess, in a way, defend uh, the lower caste spells from Brahmanism rather than deconstructing Brahmanism itself. So they emphasize that over time Sikhs marry into lower castes, but they never did it themselves because the risk of it would have been quite great. It would have transformed their mission of universality to one of personal feuds of them trying to, I guess we can say defend their rational when after all they were saying that there is no such thing as caste then why would they particularly choose to marry in a high caste or a low caste? Because they didn't even marry into a caste higher than theirs in the first place. Yeah, uh, you're right. See, uh, probably this issue was not there in, at, at that time. So this this has come up only uh, in, in late 90s. Right? So, and now then we, mm -hmm. has, uh, we have started exploring our ideas of late 90s uh, how why it was not implemented in in 15th 16th century <clears throat> and uh, and one more thing see uh, ambedkar was married to a brahman lady so uh, how how it how it helped yep so so it's so first mm, of all mm, we need mm, to understand mm. it, it is not a solution because the the marriage does uh, happen not only on the caste it, it there is there are language barriers so uh, as the example that I gave you, that uh, would you say that uh, we, we need to, uh, Punjabis need to marry with Bengalis, Sikhs need to marry with Muslims because uh, both are, we need to establish that they are, they are all equal? No, I understand what you mean. I understand what you mean. So, so the yep. marriage has different perspectives. And I guess never... Yep. And I guess another issue down here, which has just cropped up in my mind now, is that if you look at the lower, if you look at the Guru's marriages, we understand that there were only a very few people who desired to marry their daughters to the Gurus. I mean, 
from the time of Guru Hargobind Sahib Ji onwards. Now look look at it this way that you know if a bachola someone comes looking for uh, so your daughter's marriage to a guru, let's just say theoretically, uh, you know we put ourselves in Mata Gujri's uh, father's parents' shoes. So they come to us and they say, look, uh, we want to you know marry your daughter. to baba teg bahadur who is the youngest son of guru hargobind sahib ji and i guess one of the foremost things in mind would be that you know obviously given who he is is there a risk that he would eventually be killed in obviously. battle you would have to weigh up the risks of whatever doing and i guess when you talk about the low castes marrying into the high castes there was a lot of effort spent by the gurus into awakening the lower castes would a lower caste family have agreed in the first place Uh, is see one is the aspects that you are picking is is very valid that these are the uh, social aspects of that time right the another thing i want to i want to raise yep. is that is this actually a solution even if it happens does this because see when we are saying marriage we are we are actually it's a patriarchal idea where we are saying that there's a problem in society and this lady in our house needs to settle that by marrying to a that person this in itself has come out of mm. a patriarchal mindset okay um, uh, an idea a mm. male dominated mm. idea of casteism and a lady uh, a woman need to settle that by marrying to that and that place so uh, mm-hmm. and then because because we know that see uh, she will gain the caste of a man so we are we are using women yes. we are using yes. women uh, we are saying that women needs to now uh, settle um, the problems that that have uh, come up because of the male dominated ideas mm-hmm. and i guess when baba nanak walked into a village let's just say you know there are low caste individuals down there and he said there is no such thing as caste even the lower castes would have been a bit taken back to hear what he was saying because it was so radical yeah yes very true so we have to look at the contemporary factors while answering that question that you know it's quite surprising that the gurus got married in the context of the revolution they were leading because they were seen as a uh, troublemakers and enemy number 1 of the state at yeah. that time and see we know that our our uh this history says that uh, guru ramdas ji bhai jetha ji he was he belonged to a very poor family who used to sell kungniya in the streets right and he was picked up by guru whether whether that at that time that would that was considered as a lowly job but uh, guru amardas selected him for uh, his daughter And I guess one thing down here is that Guru Ramdas would have been expected to be, uh, I guess, from a better want of expression, a entrepreneur, a business owner himself, rather than you know selling kungani on the streets and you know like uh, trying to get by every day. So that would have also uh, seen him reduced in the yep. caste hierarchy. <clears throat> so. we have this issue so we have the issue of you know the guru is not marrying in their caste which we have just answered that you know caste never marry are uh, married for them and on the other hand there were uh, contemporary factors as well so when we come down to gurbani itself now guru nanak said that you know gyan is the guru 
etc., etc. So we come down to Gurbani. So the references to caste in Gurbani, like what the Pats do, that Sodi Patsha, etc., etc. How do we interpret those? Uh, uh, see, it is uh, when we say that Gyan is the Guru. Obviously, that is that is the knowledge that has come out of from the Gurbani. So uh, we need to ensure that whatever our ideas about if we want to discard the his, historical chapters, yes, uh, that is because uh, we are not able to fit uh, the Gurbani narrative into it. But then uh, we need to see that it needs to be established. The new narrative needs to be established through a historical, a new historical facts. And uh, yeah. uh, Gyan is a is a is a, is a term very frequently used in Gurbani. But at the same time, it is also a hmm. very uh, generic term. It appears to be generic terms. So it is um, Gyan from the Gurbani when, when we say, uh, we need to say that it is uh, the Guru is referring again and again in Gurbani, that it is the Guru, we call it Gurmat, we call it uh, yeah, the Gyan of the Guru. If I'm uh, able to understand your question mm. and answer it. Yes, so when we come to something like Sodi Patsha, like Sodi, we can say, well, what is Sodi? Is it a caste? Is it a clan? This reference to Sodi and Gurbani is another thing which is constantly brought up that, you know, that uh, it's being referred to as a caste. I mean, I think Pai Gurdas also makes a mention of it. So when we see this in Gurbani literature that, you know, Sodi Patsha or, you know, that Palla uh, how do we interpret those? So why is there a background mentioned in there? Is it to point out that these were individuals from high castes leading societies who decided to renounce their status and become one with the lowest of the low? Is it to point that out? Sacrifice. Yeah, yeah. So first, we need to understand that caste has been mentioned for Bhagats also a number of times in Gurbani, right? Even Guru, Guru there's a famous yes. Shabad of Guru Arjun Devji where he, where he specifically mentions the castes of the Bhagats like Govind, 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 yes. Sangha, Nam Dio, Manalina, Adam Ko Chipro, Hoyo Lakhina, Rahau, Bunana Tanna Tyag Ke Preet Charan mm. Kabira, Neech Kula Jo Lahra. Bhyoguni Gahira, Ravidas Dunante, Dor Neet, Tin Tyagi Maya, Pragat Hua Sad Sang, Pradarshan Paya, San Nai, Butkarya, O Karkar Sunya, Hirde Vasya Parbram, Bhagatame Ganya, Ebid Sunke Jatro, Utpakti Laga, Mile Pratak Gosanya, Tanavat Paga. So uh, uh, and even the Bhagats, they have used their castes uh, along with their name. So now the question arises that why Bhatt have used uh, the Sodi and Bhalla? But uh, first of all, yeah. ideologically, the, the caste has been mentioned in, in, in Gurbani of the Bhagats also. So what's wrong in, in mentioning that? Number two, uh, important thing we need to understand is that Bhatt, Bhatts came from a Bra Brahminical class. Now, uh, it is only the Bhatts mm. Uh, but the Bhats in the Bani, those who have mentioned uh, their names and the caste of Bhalla and Sudi and have mentioned the Guru. 
see it is a it's a very important development in the society that was happening guru otherwise was reserved for brahman there cannot be any other person who was oh, who yeah. can be uh, who can have uh, become guru so now here what belonging to class is mentioning guru it's a very important development happening in the society which 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 is recorded by the guru arjun sir so we need to see it from this perspective mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah so the lowest of the low basically we are saying that the caste was underlined then the status was underlined that if we look at the shabad in one light that you know kaheravidas jamara that you know this yeah. is just them mentioning their own caste but what it really becomes is more or less that you know look at what we have done look at yeah. what we have uh, achieved that we weren't expected to achieve this but look at what we have achieved in spite of the superficial distinctions which have yeah, been imposed and, uh, on us this this also uh, needs to be understood from the perspective that these balla trehen bedi sodi chamar uh, julaha jat they are the naturally uh, emerging castes of the society they are not made by brahmin brahmin have, what brahmin has done has categorized them into khatri and shudra so gurbani is not rejecting hmm. the naturally emerging uh, caste of the society they are gurbani is every time rejecting the jat ka garb the varnashram if 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 you if you are able to dismantle mm-hmm. the varnashram then the the entire the problem is resolved there's more fluidity in society i guess because as we can see baba nanak took up farming because yeah. baba nanak was attracted to a farming lifestyle but this was against caste but because baba nanak a- had dismantled caste effectively <laughs> sikhs throughout their existence have taken up various occupations without caste being a consideration for them <clears throat> so we look at baba nanak baba nanak has become casteless now he's got this disease of you know non caste and he passes it on to guru angad who passes it on to guru amar das and we have this you know non caste disease coming down 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 it's passed on to their spouses their caste is destroyed coming down we have uh, parts writing in gurbani how these individuals from the so called high castes have destroyed their own castes by uh, becoming one with the lowest of the low and then we come down to the late 1600s particularly the late 1690s we have guru gobind singh ji and anandpur sahib and the culmination of this non caste disease this uh, consequence of stepping outside the caste fold so now it culminates in Guru Gobind Singh Ji preparing the Bata of Amrit, uh, you know, giving it to Panjapiaris who are from different castes themselves, predominantly the lower castes. And then he gets up and takes Amrit from their hands very, as well. Very revolutionary step and very uh, uh, important uh, chapter of Sikh history. It has many aspects. It has many aspects. And... we have primary sources which sources which tell us that many among the hindu fraternity that they got up and uh, held abuse at the guru and you know just stormed out of the sangat at the time saying that he's actually destroyed our own deen taram he's spoken out against our uh, traditions our scriptures 
so we have quite a aggressive backlash we have uh, battles we have quite quite a lot of conflict around that view but however after guru gobind singh ji uh, obviously is assassinated we also have the emergence of individuals like kesar singh shibbar who start bringing that brahmanical uh, thought process back into sikhi so today we have ended up at a sort of a crossroads where there is caste in sikhi we can't deny that even though sikhi is a religion of equality would you say that this was a conspiracy like a concentrated attack on sikhi to dismantle it by brahmanism all the like i mean for example sikh texts like the bansawali nama saying that you know guru gobind singh ji has a you know the gurus have a affinity for the shudras the shudras will destroy the panth or that you know brahmins were the first ones to take amrit your guru gobind singh ji manifested brahman gods would you say this was all part of a very clever design or was this a spontaneous reaction on part of individuals who were angry with the guru uh, see the uh, first of all let me uh, uh, you you mentioned this uh, the kandebatte the incidents the sajna of khalsa i would uh, i yes. have mentioned this in my book soul enemy of a sikh brahmanism there's another very important angle that we need to understand that by doing so uh, hmm. you mentioned that the uh, ape guru chela that the now the guru and sikh are uh, he he established the he said that uh, from where it was started shabad guru guru nanak started with the shabad guru surtul chela and ultimately uh, they have he decided to uh, hand hand over this concept to the oh, greater society but but now uh, see there is another very important development which has happened earlier the passing the getting into religion was reserved with first of all a particular caste whether it is in islam or it is in brahmanism or uh, uh, in Bra- uh, sorry in islam it is not so but it is reserved with a specified person one person now by doing so he he says that the any sangat need to select any five among you those those who are already uh, pre baptized obviously and first of all it it's five it's not one so the the power of spreading religion now is neither with any castes nor with a single person so uh, this this completely dismantles the uh, priesthood if it is followed in this way because if 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 it if it remains with a one person mm-hmm. then again the he will become a, a person of a, which is right and if it is where the caste mm-hmm. in the crude form of uh, brahmanism so now he he's he has done in both way like uh, first of all the authority is passed on to five not to one person and it is to a gen, to general public now uh, coming to your second point that whether it is mm. happened with a strategy i would say that it is by default the person those who are not into proper sikhi mold uh like in the discussion that is happening in our in our sikh society we are divided between various factions 
and everyone thinks that he's right so it's not happening through a, a design this the divisions are not happening through design but brahmanism in itself designed in a way that it once you are uh, you are not totally on board on the principles of gurmat you will you will have a leaning towards uh, the other side it is like if if there is no light comes by default so so the uh, kesar singh chipper mm -hmm. whether it was by design we cannot say but we can say one thing that he already he was not uh, totally uh, on board on the sikhi concepts right and so there were preconceived notions on his mind which he tried to maybe he was giving that on guru sahib and he was writing those things but uh, he was not aligned with that and so uh, where he was coming from from a brahmanical thought that overpowered his uh, writings mm hmm and i guess today in today's time we need to be quite a uh... vigilant in what we are reading especially texts like this we need to have the cornerstone of gurbani to measure them against that gurbani says this or the guru would have done this so is this writer telling us the truth or not but then we see that a lot of opposition is made to such a exercise i mean if anyone questions a historic text there is a lot of a controversy so when this controversy is raised by a few individuals is this just a way uh, of preserving brahmanism important question this question is very dear to me uh see uh the, the all the in our society we need to understand that no one has the absolute truth okay and uh, what what is happening that everyone is sticking to my truth that no i have come to know sikhi better than you okay so there are divisions between deras taksals missionaries intellectuals we we need to we need to respect everyone as i said that the things happen by default let's say if i am more biased toward brahmanism even that may go wrong i may try to justify we have one person like uh, it, it, it it would be wrong to name him the hartnik singh right so like he would he would put everything on the other yes. uh, other side and he would discard everything Yep. Right, or but on the on the on the extreme right hmm. side, taksals. Right, those who are holding that no, because it has been said by our babas, hmm. it is it is written by our babas. We uh, it can't go wrong. Hmm. Now, in between, how how we can do this? We need to understand. Okay, but the people, those who are attached with the both sides, they have, they are not at any fault. If they are, uh, they need uh, because they are they are doing it. from a sharda towards the guru both are having a sharadas both the followers of the these ideologies have complete sharadas the people those who are those who believe in hemkund they too do it because of the sharda in guru gobind singh those who reject it they also do it see we rejected because we can't believe that our guru has done uh, done like this so both are having sharadas let us not question on each other's sharda this is first thing now how it can be resolved it can be resolved once the both the parties 
are there on a single platform on single stage which is not happening right now the uh, it is not important that i i don't agree mm. with you but if i'm not ready to listen to you if i'm ready to give you a stage that is the uh, uh, the thing that is happening right now and we are seeing that right now our major stages of the gurudwara they are in control of getting more and more in control of one ideology which is aligned with taksals which is more towards brahmanical and so the space to speak up everyone has been divided into factions because they all are believing that my version of stories having more truth but they are not listening to each other and they are not giving opportunity to sangat to listen uh, to each other so in one of my blog mentioned uh, to jathedar akal jaharpreet singh i've said see jathedar saab if anything that you can do is at least the stages which which are which are there on appear on tv screens daily by people like or bangla sahab gurdwara manji sahab those stages needs to be there for all kind of ideologies let the sangat listen what uh, what the other side is saying and let mm-hmm. the sangat decide and don't uh, don't hold on those stages mm-hmm. limited for a particular ideology sangat is deprived from the ideas what the other side is saying if we are able to maintain that uh, that kind of That's thing right. i think there should be no issue of having a different ideologies ultimately all this culture will ensure that we all are merged from my truth we have come to oneness this uh, this is the only way of transition that oneness. let us speak from one stage all the yeah so yes so effectively the sangat decides what's uh, what's more effective and what's more true rather than it being imposed on them i guess one of the few questions we have now as we come to the ending time is that caste now the higher castes always uh laid a monopoly on scriptures that you know only we can read the scriptures only we can recite the scriptures or listen to the scriptures now <clears throat> if you look at uh, around uh, maharaja ranjit singh's time in the later missile era there was a similar uh, bit of uh, sentiment running among the sikh uh, some sikh pracharaks who had their own institutes that only we can read gurbani only we can translate gurbani only we know how to respect gurbani then we have professor gurmukh singh come along yani death singh come along who looked at these translations he looked at these sikhs and they uh, sort of decided okay we aren't going to use this because they bring in a lot of uh, mythology from other religions we're going to use we're going to translate gurbani through gurbani and the sangat decided that their prachar was more effective than what had been going on for the past few centuries isn't brahmanism a bit similar though that we have the high caste saying only we can use these scriptures we can read them we can understand them and today we also have a series of sikhs saying that only we know how to read gurbani only our way of gurbani is right only our way of understanding gurbani is right isn't that yeah, similar is, to brahmanism and uh, that's what the intrusion of brahmanism means uh, and the idea of having a guru granth sahib or qurbani in gurmukhi was to discard this that earlier the 
all the religious texts in indian subcontinent were in sanskrit and the knowledge of sanskrit was reserved uh, with it with a particular section now the uh, what the guru did he challenged this authority of sanskrit no language he, uh, uh, can hold can say that they are uh, a godly language uh so mm, it was mm, guru, we have guru granth sahib and guru mukhi and the bani of bhagats are in actually in their regional uh, languages uh so that is uh, that is actually to ensure that it uh, it needs to reach out to the masses and uh, another thing the at at the time of maharaja ranjit singh and maharaja ranjit singh there are number of uh, the historical references where the, there are reports of britishers where they say that the education level under his rule is is among the highest in at that time anywhere in the world so we cannot uh, it it was definitely happened mm. that even under maharaja the control was more or less with the nirmalas because it already happened during the missiles time when there was no uh, there no time or they they were not uh, able to control their religious places so it it left under the control of nirmalas and these nirmalas were able were got corrupted immediately uh, once the britishers took over so uh, uh so the major degeneration happened after because if you see the uh, the this kavi santok singh he does not belong to the maharaja ranjit singh uh, he he belong to the patiala riyasat who was more aligned with the britishers yep right so uh, even his texts are also more towards the hmm. brahmanical side yep so uh, so we, blaming on maharaja mm-hmm. ranjit singh uh, uh, is does not justify but yeah so there are there, there, there were gaps which we need to address uh, it, it it actually happened after this time because the control was already in the hands of the nirmala sects and i guess the last thing here would be that one more i guess issue would be that we have gurbani and gurmukhi the gurus devised a new script for punjabi and i guess this was this was done with the intention that the higher caste uh, brahmins would never uh, learn a language which was uh, different to you know sanskrit they would always hold a love for sanskrit and if they tried altering gurmukhi it would be a very big challenge they couldn't alter gurbani the fact that we have caste in sikhi today there are so many people believing in caste today in sikhi we have multiple gurdwaras based on caste in india and abroad is this because there is a salient disconnect with gurmukhi and ultimately gurbani on the parts of sikhs themselves that they go to the gurdwara do matha take and that's it they never sit down and try reading hey, gurbani and understand it is it not themselves? disconnect with gurmukhi but it is disconnect with gurbani vichar uh even if you know gurmukhi you're you're reading gurmukhi daily but if you're not doing vichar you will not come to know what you are reading and that part is missing in in gurdwaras hmm. and that is the worrying factor that are uh, have a crores of budgets uh, but 
budget is being invested in marbles in building building instead of uh, establishing a new school arts right which can be uh, they have uh, or or writing a new literature so uh, if if that is not done uh, now again uh, is it happening by design? i think that no this is not happening by design this is happening by default because that's how the brahmanism works because the people those who are in control they need to be in control so they they don't want the public to uh, to get aware so for, uh, by do all those things and ultimately it is they uh, they will get the support from the other side already to help them and that is the brahmical obviously they get into brahmism so see hmm. uh, one one uh, now to be more clear why i'm yep. again again why i'm saying so different see that is because brahmanism is totally uh, based to leverage the folk that is kaam krodh lo mohankar okay all those the, their beliefs whether it's lakshmi hmm. puja whether it is uh, uh, your uh, stories of uh, killing rakshas or whether it is the casteism everything is to uh, ensure that your kaam krodh lo mohankar the devdasiyas and all those they are they are satisfied right to quench the thirst of of your they rather not to quench the thirst rather to hmm. further uh, put it, put it more oil into your your innate faults which which every human has and this ideology of brahmanism is hmm. actually based on to leverage the so uh, so it's it's a constant uh, Hmm. needs to be constant contemplation that what i am doing i should not get towards these uh, desires otherwise by default i'll go towards that line so the need yeah. of the moment essentially is more education more awareness and i guess a concentrated of uh intellectual offensive against caste and brahmanism itself that you know this is sikhi and this is that worlds apart why are we doing this and i guess that does entail a lot of sacrifice that you're going against tradition you're going against family you're going against culture you're going against a lot of things but then you have the sikh identity the nanak shahi the nanak shahi culture to fall back on any help thank you for joining us very much we appreciate this So your book uh, yes the book so is your book where is it available the, from uh, Amazon Barnes and Noble and all all online platforms it's available uh ye wahiguru ji ki okay then wahiguru ji ka khalsa wahiguru ji ki fat